Before we get started, today's episode of the Goldcast, Goldcast Mini, is sponsored by Index Cards. Are you tired of writing notes in your electronic cellular telephone? Then write them on old-fashioned index cards. They break down, they can bend, they can tear, you can lose them, it's hard to read your own writing. Go the old-fashioned route. Put your notes on index cards. Raymond, why don't you let them know where they can find us, because they can find us a lot of places right now. The best place you can find us to start with is probably Facebook.com. You can like us there at The Goldcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at The Goldcast underscore, as well as Instagram at The Goldcast. You can also subscribe to us via iTunes, YouTube, and Stitcher. Those are critical, too, because once we put our live podcast on the web, that's when you can get notifications from either platform you use. If you're on, If you have an Apple phone, you're probably not going to use stitcher or maybe youtube then you'll go to itunes if you're on an android platform or htc then stitcher and youtube are your best bets and if you're going to use youtube make sure to click the little bell after you subscribe because that way you'll get notifications when our videos go live to the web for your listening pleasure yeah and our instagram is brand new at the goldcast be sure to check us out there raymond's awesome he puts a lot of really good updates on the uh, instagram page be sure to check that out. You're interacting with Raymond a lot. He loves to talk. Join the community. Get in the conversation. Share, like, subscribe. We will follow you back at the Goldcast. All right. So this is a Goldcast mini. Uh, it's going to be we're going to be breaking down the very intriguing and exciting press conference between Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch with Jed York in tow. Let's get into it, baby. A whole new era of the 49ers is about to begin. Let's do this. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the faithful. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host, Raymond Salisa First, baby. Boom! Raymond, it's here. It's official. We have a press conference, we have conversations, we have some basic answers to questions, and we still have a lot of questions left. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch were presented by Jed York today to the San Francisco media. It was, uh, it was a great press conference. I mean, they said all the right things. You know, obviously we have, there's so much between what they say and what happens on the field. A lot has to happen, and they were... Definitely not. They didn't mince words. They didn't give us, you know, grand hyperbole or crazy rhetoric. They didn't make any promises. They, they you know, I thought that, uh, you know, they, they've talked a little bit about the about Kyle Shannon having a, a bit of an arrogance. I, I didn't see that at all. I thought he came off really humble, very realistic, uh, very excited and ready to get to work. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I'll, I'll pass it off to you. Tell me your thoughts and then, you know, we'll just go from there. Well, I'll start with a Jed York comment because I heard that too. That was uh, I heard that from the co-host of uh, 95.7 The Game with uh, Greg Papa, and I stand firmly with Greg Papa on this. Um, yeah, the whole purpose of every season for every team in the NFL is to win championships. So I have no problem with him mentioning the Market Street Parade. That's of course what we want to see every year. In a perfect world, that's what every fan would like to see for their respective teams. So I had no problem with that. That should be your uh, goal. No with that should yeah, be your that, goal. <laughs> That's fine with me. Um, they're not in this to say. I mean, what? What? You know, I, I'll, I'll follow. I'll kind of 
feed off the joke that I heard during this conversation because Greg Papa wasn't having any of it. He's like, yeah, that's what they're supposed to do. So I don't, I don't care that he said that. And I, I feel the same way. I don't care either. What is he supposed to say? Um, yeah, this year we're going to win three games, guys. Yay. No, that's not the point. The point is to improve and to improve as, as significantly as, as possible with by putting the right people together, allow, giving them the right resources and allowing them, you know, free reign to to build to the best of their ability and to put the staff around themselves to to enable that process to flourish. But you know what? So I got no, no problem with that. I have no problem with it too. And in no way did I get the impression that Jed York thought that that was capable of happening next year. All, all three of those men up there, it was very, I thought the re, the where we are as a team and what we have gone through and how depleted this roster is in terms of talent and leadership and direction, I thought that was all there on the table. And I didn't feel like Jed York was, it was anyway implying that that's what they want to do next year. I, I think he knows deep down that's probably most likely an impossible reality given the state of where the 49ers are right now. Like we said on the last podcast, this is not the, the team Jim Harbaugh inherited at all. That team was already being slated and was being predicted by analysts across the board to be the best in the NFC West the year before. And it was when they didn't deliver that they were like, okay, this roster is way too good. Something's wrong here. This is not that mm-hmm. team. This is a depleted, destroyed, ripped apart team. And Jed York saying, this is where we want it. I took it as Jed York saying, this is where we want to go. Not necessarily, this is what we're going to do right now. Yeah, Exactly. He's just saying what what that that's what he wants to do ultimately, and that's what every, every owner wants to do. Maybe I don't know if that's the case with the Browns, but uh, or Detroit for that matter. But I certainly know that it's the case with the 49ers. You don't win five championships because you want to end up at the bottom of the barrel, and as far as organizations are concerned. But yeah, it was great. I mean, and as and if you're a Niner fan, I think there's definitely something refreshing about seen two new faces there that seem to be in sync that clearly have a rapport together that are on the same page and have the same have the same vision for where they want to go with the organization and obviously not to necessarily ride the coattails of the previous success but to you know use that as inspiration going forward like hey we want to get back to this to this kind of status where we are you know, year in, year out competing for championships. That was a 20 year run that we had between the eighties and nineties. And we want to bring that back. And so the only way to do that is to get the right people in place and it starts at the top. And then you build from that, from that point down. Exactly. And I think that Kyle Shanahan was very realistic. He, they, one thing I noticed that all three men kept discussing, and you can tell that this was something that was now you can tell. I, I don't think it was as obvious to us as fans when it was happening, but there really was a disconnect between general management and the coaching staff. And it went from the Harbaugh, uh, Harbaugh regime all the way through to Chip Kelly's regime. And, you know, it, it seems like Trent Baalke just, there was a lot of struggle and a real tough, they had a lot of issues with communication and getting on the same page. And one thing this group kept talking about, the reason I feel like that's the case is because this group kept talking about, they kept talking about culture, they kept talking about unified vision, you know, all working as a team, working in the same direction, finding like-minded staff, finding like-minded players. And it, that, that same rhetoric of creating a winning 
culture, a winning environment, a, a platform for success with everybody working together. That really seemed to be the message that they were putting across and that that seemed to be one of their first goals is to just meet on a psychological, mental level and find the find their common ground and try to build a team from there. And it, it just kind of made me realize, wow, the, the dissonance that must have really been occurring from the Harbaugh years through to the Chip Kelly years. I mean, it was it was much deeper, I think, than I realized. I didn't realize it was that deep because they would just kept emphasizing it. And it's almost like, you know, when you're emphasizing something that maybe necessarily, I mean, you know, that's been talked about, but not at the level that they addressed it. And I was going, wow, this was a deeper problem than I as a fan realized. Yeah, and when, when well, when you go from Super Bowl to eight and eight, five and 11, two and 14, that is clearly a pattern of regression and you're also hiring coaches in that same in the same amount of span and in that same span of years that is clearly something is is off something is out of sync and there's obviously a psychological aspect that's attached to that and i think that's why you kept hearing that getting echoed over and over and over again by kyle and john as well as jed and that's because the culture needs to change and whenever you're making some any kind of change, whether it's minuscule or really broad, like the Niners are doing right now, it always starts with the attitude first. And that's kind of the general part of the general formula for success too. It's if you want to change your life, you change your standards, you change your attitude, change how you how you mentally perceive where you are and change switch gears to like, all right, this is the new vision, the new path that I see forth that I visualize in my head. And now that I've got the attitude and psychology in place, now I'm going to get to work and put the action behind that. Yes, agreed. You know, some of the things that I thought were were really interesting, Kyle Shanahan obviously is going to have final say over the 53-man roster. John Lynch will have control over the 90, the, the 90, the 90 players drafted over the offseason. I thought a really interesting question that was posed to Kyle Shanahan, they asked him, why he didn't want full control over the entire roster. And I thought his, his answer was really interesting. He was like, he didn't want it. He didn't see the point in having it. You know, he he trusted the people that were being put in place and he trusted, you know, everyone's positions. And he wants, not only did he trust him, he wants to have that trust. And I like the idea of a coach who's not necessarily, I think that said a lot about him not being power hungry and kind of, again, leaning towards this idea of, a unified vision with the front office being as much of a team as the players are on the field. Yeah, this total collaborative effort. And of course, that I, I thought it was kind of a ridiculous question because it was irrelevant. Let's just talk about what 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 is the status. The status is Kyle Shanahan has 53-man roster control. John Lynch has 90 roster control. He also has draft control and free agency. However, just like John elaborated on that he says but it also within the writing it does say you know subject to approval of the other guy too meaning that this is a collaborative effort even though on paper it might say this is what you're in charge of this is what you're in charge of but you guys are definitely going to be coming together to collaborate and decide what's best and maybe like the final okay comes from one side or the other depending on you know what stage of the season they're in you know 90 53 free agency draft etc but it's clearly a collaborative effort and of course that stupid question came from tim kamakami (laughs) our our uh our rival The gold gas rival. See ya. Yeah, we'll talk about this more. We got, you know, we have all of our YouTube new YouTube listeners. uh, We'll talk about that more with you guys later at a later date. But uh, Tim Kawakami, our the uh, rival of the gold cast. He's a rival of of this faction of the faithful. 
<laughs> so let's talk about another thing he addressed. Okay, there was a great question that was posed between John Lynch and Kyle Shannon about them having no experience at this level of the game. And John Lynch, and it was addressed a little bit more specifically at John Lynch because he's never been a general manager. And I thought he answered that very quickly. He brought up, I mean, our number one guy. We did an entire podcast about him, Adam Peters, who we called The Game Changer. Check it out. It's about two podcasts earlier, two or three back. Uh, Adam Peters, The Game Changer. We did a whole podcast on him, and we felt like he was The Game Changer. And that's the first guy John Lynch brings up. And uh, kind of talks about his resume very briefly. And then he talks about someone that I want you to break down for the for the faithful, Raymond, Martin Mayhew. Give us a breakdown. Who is Martin Mayhew? Because I felt like I, like many, many uh, faithful, I just started like scrambling on my phone going, who the hell is Martin Mayhew? Yeah, he dropped that one on us. And again, that kind of, that was also part of his answer too, which was I thought was a great answer and a smart answer because it's a logical one. It's exactly what John Elway did in 2011 when he took over as GM for the Denver Broncos. And that was he put people underneath him who had experience, who had been there, who had done that, and who could help guide him and collaborate with him to create the vision that he had for the team. That's the same exact thing John Lynch is doing here, and that's exactly what he said. Peter, or sorry, Peter, I was going to say Peter Mayhew. Um, Martin Mayhew is hired as the senior he's now going to be the senior personnel executive for the 49ers and he is the former general manager for the Detroit Lions between I believe 2008 and 2015 and that was um he was this last season he got fired in 2015 but in this past season he was the football operations and special projects for the New York Giants but from 2001 to 2015, he was all with Detroit, and then he was promoted as general manager. So this is uh, what I like. What I like about what I read about him is obviously he didn't have overwhelming success over there in Detroit, and Detroit's just kind of a big mess in general. You know, uh, they, they've always kind of been they're they're kind of like the Browns, only they're not quite as dismal as the Browns. The Browns just are. R- r- just in another realm of their own. But Martin Mayhew is responsible for drafting Matthew Stafford, defensive end Ezekiel Ansah, who eventually became a pro bowler. He also drafted Ndamukong Sue, who's also a pro bowler. We know Matthew Stafford's a pro bowler as well. He also signed wide receiver Golden Tate, safety Glover Quinn in free agency. Both those guys became pro bowlers as well. In, In 2015, the year he was fired, he actually had five players that went to the pro bowl that year, Calvin Johnson, Golden Tate, Matt Stafford, and Ndamukong Sue, and Uh, the player I just named Glover Quinn. So this guy, and he's helped build Detroit into a relevant team. I mean, he's not part of the team anymore, but that team is is now relevant. They were competing for a playoff spot this past season, and they've been kind of a little up and down, teetering teetering between competitive and kind of average football teams. So they're right, they're teeter-tottering right now. But I mean, a lot of that that process, that that buildup that Detroit has had is credited to Martin Mayhew and his ability to get quality players in there. Matt Stafford kind of being the one that really sticks out to me because even though he's not elite, he's definitely Pro Bowl caliber and he's got an incredible arm. We, we always see – I like Matt Stafford. I actually have a soft spot for him. I actually enjoy watching him play because he's, he's a bit of a gunslinger and I enjoy quarterbacks that are kind of gunslinging it, kind of Brett Favre-esque. They take a lot of risks. He's scrappy. And, 
He's a fighter. He is. He's a, he's a scrappy guy. He's confident. He plays well, and he's he clearly gives Detroit an extra edge to to win football games. They just got to be able to beat teams that are over five hundred. But uh, but who cares about Detroit? The point <laughs> is that Martin Mayhew has created has been there for a long time as a general manager, and now he's going to work directly underneath John Lynch in tandem with Adam Peters as well to help build this roster. And this guy obviously has a good eye for collaborating with his scouts to pick quality players. I, I just rattled off five pro bowlers that were part that were a combination of both things. So that's because we need both of those too, right? We need quality, quality players from the draft and we need quality players from free agency. And we have enough picks to get quality players from the draft this year. And we have a lot of money to get some quality players from free agency. So this is a great tandem between him, Adam Peters and John Lynch, because now we're going to have the personnel, the, the sort of nucleus. We now have the nucleus of our general manager staff to where I feel really comfortable and really excited. Cause I'm like, wow, you know, March is free agency. So it's like, okay, I'm really excited to see what these guys are going to do because this guy even though they didn't necessarily win any championships in Detroit, he still built that team up to relevancy where now they're not necessarily a laughing stock of the league. Now they're more of a competitive team to look out for. And that's something credited to him. And now he's working with us and he's going to be able to help John acclimate to his role too, which is exactly what he needs. So, so more, more power to John, just doing the smart things they obviously played together when they were in Tampa as players, but now as, as executives, retired football players, now they're going to be working together again in an executive role. And I'm just excited for this because I think it's a solid hire. It's a, I put it right up there with Adam Peters because the guy's got a proven resume. You know, one of the things that Jed talked about in the very beginning when he hired John Lynch, he talked about that, you know, John had been around a lot of football. He was well-versed in the, in the league and he knew a lot of people. And I, you know, I remember him talking about that too. And in, in the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, but who cares? That's not, you know, that, what, what is that going to bring us? You know, that's in, and even, even critics were saying, well, you know, there's a difference between being an analyst and talking to everyone around the league, you know, or, and, than being a general manager. Those are not the same. But if you look at the people that John has brought in, clearly he was listening. Clearly he was paying attention. And he is using that extensive knowledge of the league and his familiarity with all of these different staffs to bring in people that can help him guide this team. And it's exactly, you mentioned it already. He's talked about it. He's following a formula that he saw John Elway do in in Denver and John Elway is I think he's the best GM in the league right now I think he's incredible and the secret to his success is putting people in position that know more than him that he can use as a soundboard and then he goes with his instincts with his eye but he's you know John Elway's not in Idaho looking for a tight end for the fifth 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 round draft pick that's not his job that's somebody else's job he's not looking Mm -hmm. at that tape you know, but he's making the final decisions. He's overseeing the empire. And I think what John is doing is clearly he's mimicking that style. He learned he's, you know, he sat in on those meetings with uh, John Elway and I like what I see. This is, this is a really exciting staff. Obviously it's gonna, it's all going to come down to the, the games and what's going to happen. But on paper day one, this is a good start. Totally. And I think if you're a Niner fan, 
like us, of course, you've got to feel pretty good about the direction of the team because I feel like for the first time in, I would say, three years, it really feels like the team is going in a good direction. A lot of times before, we were trying to find reasons to to hope that the team was going in, in the right direction or to find aspects of the people that they were bringing in to give us hope that maybe things that that there's good intention here obviously there's always been good intention but we want we're we we had to work a little bit harder to find out what the reason behind the hires were or what the resumes were to give us reassurance sometimes the resumes were a bit more less miss sometimes the resumes were more misleading than the results we got on the field but in this case i feel like because of the relationship that exists prior to these hires I think there's a lot more reassurance, I feel, as a fan, because I know it's like there's a rapport here, there's a relationship here, and they're in sync. This is not like a stubborn, bullheaded, standoffish Trent Balky working with a bullheaded, standoffish Jim Harbaugh. These are two guys that have strong personalities, that have confident mindsets, but also understand the value of collaboration and how being how important that being in sync as a GM and a head coach is just as valuable as a head coach being in sync with his team. So the and I think part of that is credited to the fact that John used to play so he understands that dynamic and he's bringing that principle with him to the general manager position and obviously Elway understands a large degree of that too and I think that's part of the reason why he's so successful and then the other aspect is just putting proven people underneath him which John seems to be emulating perfectly so far so so yeah I think if you're a Niner fan you better be excited because things look like they're going in the right direction for the right reasons for the first time in I'd say three years. It feels different. It really does. Feel, it does feel different. It feels very different. And I think you hit it right on the nose. Every time, you know, with Chip, with uh, with Jim Tomsula, Mike Singletary, you're kind of just hoping. And there's this feeling like we're kind of like winging crossing it. Your fingers. Yeah, crossing your fingers. Yeah. Crossing your fingers. We're kind of shooting in the dark, but but who knows? Maybe, maybe it's going to hit the target. But there's this part of your body that goes, I don't know. You know, you're kind of like it's the smile with the nervous eyes. I don't know. <laughs> but... This feels different. There's a, there's a, and he's been compared to him before. There's a Steve Kerr esque about about Kyle Shanahan. I feel like there's a kind of the the calm, kind of open openness. You know, he's kind of he's he's open. He's he's very forthright. He's kind of straight to the point. But there's this calm uh, humility. I, again, I didn't see the arrogance. Maybe other people did. He he addressed it in the post post-press conference interview with uh, CSN Bay Area and kind of laughed. One of the things he did talk about that I, I want to talk about before we uh, we start to wrap up is he did the, the, the question of no offensive coordinator was addressed. And I, I really wanted to hear that answer because I was kind of terrified. I really was. He talked about putting assistant coaches in place, you know, understanding the position and, and you know, also was very upfront about the fact that this this is just for this year it may not be next year you know he doesn't know how long he's going to do it but for this first season he really wants to be the guy that is in charge of that position and once I heard it and once I realized he's like you know it may not last this may be crazy it may be too much you know we're, we're going to find out right 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 it didn't that quell your it made more sense yeah, and he kind of said like and it was kind of like you know because it's a new thing and they're building from the ground up he kind of wants to have that that sort of control early on because he wants to it's almost like like hey i need to write the ship and then once i write the ship i can take on some more more 
I can take on more delegating roles, but right now I kind of have to micromanage some aspects because this is, you know, things are kind of are so, so far off, off the mark here that I kind of have to take, take the wheel here and write the ship. And once I write the ship, I can take a step back and start to delegate more because, at, because once, once we have a rhythm and a system established, then you can kind of take a seat back. At least this is what I'm thinking based on his answer. This is what I'm thinking that he's thinking is that this is what he needs to do right now. And then as things go forward, he's going to obviously evaluate the progress and the process and see if it's necessary for him to take a step back and say, all right, now I'm going to be more of a traditional head coach and then delegate to my offensive coordinator. Yes, exactly. He also discussed um, he has to look at a lot of tape. He's still very unfamiliar with the team. He hasn't had a chance to look at them. You know, um, right, and Colin Kaepernick, despite all of the reports that said, that, hey, he's out of here, these are his last days, was not counted out of the equation. No. Well, you. I mean, you have to admit, if you're – I understand. Colin's been through a lot. He's been through a lot. He lost a Super Bowl. I don't think – I think it took him several years to recover from that. He, I think he was really, he was, he was a Jim Harbaugh guy and there's no question about that. And I, he was clearly really, really distraught and very, very frustrated with the direction of the team under Jim Tom Sula. I think he reluctantly gave Chip Kelly a chance because he didn't really necessarily have a choice, you know? Um, uh, so I think he, but then obviously restructured his contract so he could opt out. But this is a different situation. This is a different situation, and I wouldn't be surprised. I obviously, I don't know Colin Kaepernick. I can't speak for Colin Kaepernick, but I wouldn't be surprised if Colin Kaepernick just at least took a step, like, you know, one foot out the door and stopped and goes, wait, let me look over my shoulder one more time. May, you know, we need to have a, one more conversation. This is this is different. This is really yeah, different. Yeah, there was the initial report, that's, initial report that said he was going to opt out of his contract. Then I think it was Pro Football Talker, or, or I forget which outlet it was, said, like, actually – now the consensus is that he's undecided and that he wants to meet with John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan to kind of see where they're at and see, you know, what kind of marriage, if any, can be established in the new regime. And I think for me, I think that's a smart move. I think if you're Colin, you think like you think what kind of mind Kyle Shanahan is. And if and if if he knows anything about John Lynch, he knows what kind of player he is. I know they've had interactions on the field uh, during the games that he's called for the 49ers as a broadcaster. So there is a little bit of a rapport there. But I do like the fact that Colin Kaepernick reached out to both Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. And John obviously had nice things to say about Colin Kaepernick and said and was very objective, gave a very objective answer saying, like, you know, we're going to talk with him, sit down with him and find out. You know, if he fits with the program and if he does, great. And if he doesn't, we'll figure something out. And Kyle said, Kyle said that he sees what what he sees from Colin or what he's seen so far is very different from what he's heard, and that he sees what he sees is better than what he's heard. Meaning, I I, I think if if that means he's alluding to the the film on tape, despite you know, is contrary to the criticism from most likely the press, or or third party hearsay then I would have to agree because, you know, nothing, nothing's better than the tape and nobody, I would, I would trust nobody outside of Kyle Shanahan and especially when it comes to the 49ers to have final say over what quarterback is good for this organization going forward right now than, than Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> it's like, okay, you, you know, you know, these players, this position better than anybody. So, and you've worked with a, a myriad of different talents that have different skill sets. You went from Matt Schaub to, RG3 to Matt 
Ryan. So those are three very different quarterbacks. So the fact that you were able to adapt and acclimate to all three of them and get the best out of them for however long you were with them speaks volumes to his ability to coach and his ability to design offenses that are tailored to exploit the strengths of the quarterbacks at his disposal. So in my opinion, if Colin stays, I'm all for it. If he goes, I think it, it, it kind of makes things a little bit tougher in terms of how we climb back into the competitive race because at least you have a veteran there that somebody who that that if you draft somebody that you want to bring in and and teach like even if you trade for a Kirk then then I then trading for someone like Kirk Cousins becomes more relevant because it that then that makes more sense but if we don't if you can't get Kirk Cousins and Colin Kaepernick opts out just like we talked about last week then I think it makes the growing process a little bit a little bit more methodical, but when you have a veteran there that knows what he's doing and can learn, because clearly he learned under Chip Kelly and played well, well for for Colin Kaepernick, uh, similar to his thir- 2013 statistics, then I think there's some hope for him to even get better, possibly, especially with with Kyle Shanahan, because we know that Kyle Shanahan, if he keeps someone like Colin Kaepernick around, he's going to design the 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 offense around his strengths. He is. For sure. Um, so, I was going to say about that, the uh, the QB. Okay, kind of going back to this QB thing. He did say that he hadn't seen tape on Cap since uh, since college. So, may- maybe it was more about the uh, the attitude stuff. He had said that a couple different times. He hadn't seen him since he... Uh, he thought he was very good in college, but he, he hadn't seen him since uh, Nevada, I believe is where Cap was. The, the QB situation, now here's the thing. I, I don't follow college. I, I'm a faithful. You know, I I watch this is the gold cast. We watch yeah, we pros watch, only. Pros yeah, we only yeah we watch we watch the 49ers, the Warriors, and the Giants. That's what we watch. You know that we that's, those are the teams that we pay attention to. I didn't go to Stanford or Cal, so I don't watch those teams. So I don't know from everything I've read. This is a pretty lousy QB draft. I also heard that last year's wasn't very good, and look, they you got uh, Dak Prescott out of that. So. I trust them to to know, but if if it is a lousy QB draft, and you know John Lynch said that they might not find their QB this year, I, you know that even seeing that 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 quote floating around uh, the the press sites, it made me think, okay, uh, you know, there's a part of them that it, I don't know, I don't know if they necessarily think it's in the draft, and if we can't trade for uh, Garoppolo or for Cousins, one of those players, and you know, then we need either cap to stay. You know, or like you said, we're you know we're, we're we're in tough. But either way, I feel like this year, this is just my this is just my gut feeling. I could be totally wrong, but this is my gut feeling. My gut feeling is that this year, what they're looking for, if they can't find that quarterback, that guy that they think they can groom into being the the future of the franchise, the face of the franchise, I think what they're looking for is a stopgap, is somebody that that can at least bridge bridge the gap between the last regimes and theirs and get them through long enough to build enough of a team that they, when they have the right guy, it's in place. What do you think about that? I think so, because this is where you're at right now. Obviously they want to start winning immediately, but they know that they don't want to also do some really shoddy patchwork to just get to, to try to make, to try to expedite the process. 
and they and they explained that in the presser today that they weren't trying to to win you know cheap and fast they they wanted to win immediately from day one to till till year six but that they also were going to respect the process of building even though that might not equate to wins right out the gate you know that's still obviously the goal is to win you know here every team's goal every season is to win all 16 games you know so so I, I'm okay with that. You know, I think uh, I think Kaepernick is is a potential player that could be one of those bridge bridge gap players. We got to remember that Kyle Shanahan's an incredibly good offensive coordinator that really knows how to tailor schemes to the strengths of his players. And so they're going to evaluate everybody. And if Cap is part of the program, hey, awesome. If he's not then we got to draft or pick somebody up from free agency. Obviously, Romo's not the answer. I think if they're going to draft a quarterback, then you definitely don't go in the first round. You're probably thinking more third, fourth is my my guess. I think in the first two rounds, you take the the best players at at, at the positions. And it's kind of it's kind of a little bit easier decision for us to make because we have so many needs at so many different positions that it, it's an easy decision to say, like if we didn't need inside linebacker, then we wouldn't have to look at the inside linebackers that are that are that are really flourishing here in the first round prospects uh, of uh, leading up to the draft because that's kind of the strength position one of the strength positions that's coming into the first rounds from uh, some of the mock drafts so i think that uh, it's easy for the niners if they if they think they can draft a quarterback in the later rounds because it's not a strong class and they think some of these guys are going to linger into the second or third rounds then i think you can obviously take an easy bet by picking the best available player in the first round you have the number two pick so i you have a great selection to pick from and I think because we have so many needs that it's an easy it's an easy it's an easy uh it's an easy decision to make saying meaning we're going to take a defensive player this round because those are the that's the best the best draft class this year and we can actually push quarterback to round two or three or four yep exactly exactly well it's going to be it's going to be real interesting uh again I have to keep stressing this to the faithful you now the task for us the task for the 49er faithful now is to model the kind of patience we have kept criticizing Jed York over I actually haven't really criticized Jed York a whole lot about it I am a I am a stark defender of Jed York I got no, a we've been cri- nice to him yeah I have been and I got a little criticized on YouTube about that <laughs> a couple couple podcasts ago about uh about my defense of Jed York I I I think he's an owner that is really passionate very young and he wants to win really bad and he he had to make some really tough decisions again I think sometimes we as faithful want to let Jim Harbaugh off the hook but you've read the stories of some of the things he did and said and you just can't do that with your front office that that creates the exact opposite culture within the front office and if we're going to win we have we need everybody working together and you can't go well you know screw that side I'm only over here with you guys fuck them you can't do that you know i don't know i'm not saying who knows you know about what exactly was said and when and where but again 49er faithful we have to exercise patience because i'm telling you now when they lose three in a row four in a row and if they do and they start talking about kyle shanahan's experiment in san francisco's failing he shouldn't be the offensive coordinator does he need an oc is he taking on too much john lynch's draft picks are they are they busting when all those stories come out 
<laughs> from you, impatient, annoying writers. And don't you see all those stories already? All yep. those headlines are. Yeah. I'm, we're telling you right now, 49er faithful, book it. If, these are, if, if we lose three or four in a row, this is what they're going to say. They're going to talk about it on ESPN. They're going to talk about it on the on the on the last uh, the last segment of first take because all they ever do is want to cover the Cowboys. Yes. Gonna the line thinker is is Kyle Shanahan in over his head. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, no offensive coordinator. Is Kyle's not having an offensive coordinator the reason they lost last week against Seattle? You know, that yeah. is, is, is this what you get when you hire a GM with no experience? Is this why we're seeing these rookies struggle so much? Hey, I'll take it a step further. You're, you're going to have Max or Stephen A. Smith or Skip Bayless or Shantrop go, this is what happens when you hire a rookie GM. They're not going to ask a question, yeah. question form. They're going <laughs> to say what you said in statement form. This is what happens. Da, da, da. That is when you need to exercise patience. I don't want to see planes going over Levi Stadium going, oh, make Jed accountable. Jed needs to go. Like, none of that. None of that. Okay. Unfortunately, Jed York has had to have on the job training. And the difference is there are thousands of fans that are surrounding him. I mean, come on. None of us have gone into every job and been perfect. I've made some major mess ups at my jobs before. So, yes, I've been fired too. You know, God bless it. Many of us have at least once. And so, Jed, and we can't fire Jed, like he said. We have yeah, to, you don't dismiss owners. So sorry, people. We are stuck with them, whether you like it or not. So, so you're you're either with them or you're against them. And for me, if, uh, you know, and I know I know that you obviously agree with this position too, brother. And that's that if we have a choice between either being angry and being anti-Jet all the time, or rooting for him in his corner because if he succeeds, the team succeeds, then we're gonna take Jet's corner every time. Exactly. Exactly. Um. Uh, I said this even last year, like get o- like t- to some of our, our fellow faithful. It was like, get over it. Jim Harbaugh's never coming back. Let it go. It's over. So focus on the future and hope the future gets better. Jed York's not going anywhere. The things, here's what I like about Jed York, in defense of Jed York. Again, Jed York wants to win. He wants to win and he wants to get it right. And he's willing to literally, he's fired three coaches three years in a row because he wants to get it right. It doesn't mean that those decisions were always popular. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean that it's he's always made the best decision after, but he is willing. And not only that, he's paying all those guys. All that money he's paying. And like he said, he didn't walk away from those con- those financial the financial obligation of those contracts. I'm not saying it's always been fun none of that. I'm not saying it hasn't been frustrating as a fan to watch. I watch every single 49er game every week in, out, in, out, good or bad, win or lose. I'm there as a faithful. I know you are too, Ray. So they, we just need to exercise some patience. It's, it's like Aaron Rodgers says, everyone relax. All right, just relax. If we win six games, great. But no, that means we have to lose 10. So just... Everyone exercise some patience through this next year. Maybe we're a little scrappy, you know, but this is not the final team that they're going to build. And, you know, just like the Raiders did with Carr and the system and Jack Del Rio system over there, you got to give it a couple years. All right, let's let's. We're gonna and and we'll evaluate. We'll just like we did Chip Kelly's staff. I know that there was a lot of good statistics and resumes that we ha- had from Chip Kelly's staff. We'll be looking at that too. Looking at the resumes of the people Kyle Shanahan's bringing in to see what they're bringing to the table to help us give us an inkling of 
projection that's out there. But we know that, you know, resumes don't always equate to wins. But in this case, I think there's a little bit more to be optimistic about for everything that we've already stated before. But, you know, just like last year and previous year, we're going to be looking at every single coach that comes in here to see what they're bringing to the table and how it can make this team better. Exactly. Just be patient. Be faithful. It's going to get better. I really think this is a great regime, and I think it feels different. And I really do think that we that we have the potential and the opportunity here to, to see something special. I sure hope so. I sure hope so, too. So, Raymond, once again, remind them one more time, where can they find us? You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thegoldcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at thegoldcast. You can also follow us on Instagram, the brand new Instagram page at thegoldcast. And excuse me, the Twitter handle is at thegoldcast underscore. Make sure to add an underscore at the very end there. And more, most importantly, you can also subscribe to us via iTunes, YouTube, and Stitcher, regardless of whether you're an Android platform or an Apple platform. You can subscribe to us via any of those Whichever one, we're all we're all across the board, so it doesn't matter what platform you use, you can always find us and make sure to subscribe because that way you'll get notifications on your phone when we go live with our broadcast when we publish them to the web. So that way you'll know and you can just tune in whenever you want, whether you're at work, whether you're taking a poop on the can, whether you're taking a road trip up the coastline here in the Bay Area, or whether you're somewhere else in the country doing something awesome that you want to put some 49er love into your life. So hit well, that not just 49ers, Warriors, Warriors, Giants. and Giants, and a little bit of A's too, because we, uh, me and my dad like the A's. There you go. And MMA talk. Dan and I do the MMA podcast. So yeah, we're this Sunday. We're gonna turn our focus onto the Warriors. We're gonna be talking about this week. We've got a very big, big game in OKC. Kevin Durant is returning to the team that that made and him. It's been heated. Oh yeah, yeah. It's been heated, <laughs> you know. But it's it's it. Well, and KD keeps trying to diffuse it. Like it's it, he he always keeps saying it's like it's more heated among the press than it is among them. You know, um, we're gonna see. We're gonna talk about it on Sunday. I think it's more heated with Westbrook than anybody else. He's yeah. the one who's been bitter about it, and well, it's just because he now has to shoulder the the burden of of keeping OKC relevant in terms of being competitive within the league but you know what get over it it's the nba players move players get traded players go to somewhere else kd gave everything he had to that team before you even showed up my friend and he's got how many all-stars and an mvp what do you have you've you've at least you're at least trying to make your you know you made the all-star this year and last year but you have yet to cement a legacy you know kd can retire tomorrow and have a legacy that that no one's gonna gonna have any regrets about so I, I I think this is all coming from Westbrook. And you can see it in his attitude, the things he says after the game that gets caught by people. Like when he said, hey, don't say don't say what's up to his bitch ass. He was talking to his teammates, telling him, don't go say hi to KD. Like what kind of childish high school BS is that? I love it. Yeah, well. Get out of here with that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a, a heated game. I can't wait to see it. And we'll definitely be talking about it on Sunday. Raymond, okay. where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Ray Solis. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Rudy Solis third, Rudy Solis three R D. So concludes another edition of the Goldcast. We are the voice of the faithful. I'm your host Rudy Solis the third, and with me is my brother, my co-host Raymond Solis the first baby. We'll see you next time. 
same Goldcast time, same Goldcast channel. Bye boom. This is, is the Goldcast.